Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. That's former Blue superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Let's go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Happy to be joined by Nicole Auerbach. She's a college football insider for The Athletic, joining us here on 101 ESPN. Nicole, thanks so much for the time and what I am sure is a busy time for you. How are you doing today? Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, hanging in there, just waiting for the, the next shoe to drop. Absolutely. So that let's start with that. The SEC called its athletic directors in person, which is interesting, uh, to go down to Birmingham today to talk about what their next step is. What are you hearing in terms of what the SEC is planning? And do you think we're going to get any sort of announcement today? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we might get like a, a, you know, an update, a press release, but um, I, I would be surprised, um, you know, according to the people I talked to about their expectations for this meeting, if there were any major decisions announced. Um, you know, the, the SEC has been pretty clear throughout this, and, you know, Greg Sankey even, you know, as recently as last week about trying to wait until the end of July to make decisions, have a little bit more data. Um, today is the start of mandatory workouts. There's a lot more coach interaction that they can get with their players um, and kind of see how some of that stuff goes for a little bit as long as possible. So, um, you know, if they were to make a big decision today, it would also kind of seem like they were reacting to the Big Ten and the Pac-12. And, and we all know the SEC does not like to seem <laughs> like other people are, are forcing them to make decisions. It, it almost feels like it's going to end up being that way, though, right? Because, I mean, yeah. it, like here locally, Mizzou plays Central Arkansas in week one. I have no idea what Central Arkansas's plans are for this season. But, I mean, if the Big Ten, the Pac-12 are only playing conference games and we've already seen the Patriot League and the Ivy League now decide either moving it to the spring or canceling it entirely. Eventually, we're going to get to the point where there's no other choice but to play only conference games for the SEC, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think like, you know, the way that I've been describing it to people is a trickle up, right? It's, it's, there's a trickle up, there's a trickle down, trickle sideways with college sports, right? Everything impacts everything else. So absolutely, you know, two leagues making a decision that impacts leagues that then might make their determinations about fall sports. Those things impact the other leagues that haven't made those decisions yet. And, there, and there's probably FCS leagues and, and possibly group of five leagues that have games scheduled against ACC, SEC, Big 12, and are not going to cancel or make those fall decisions until they know for sure if they're losing those those bye games. But, you know, you're going to have those ripple effects and those decisions and those dominoes happening in other leagues. You've got a number of conferences that are basketball-centric that can make these decisions this week as well. Um, so all of it will impact each other and potentially put pressure on other leagues to make decisions soon. 
Nicole, how are our colleges and teams going to handle situations to where, let's just take the SEC, for example, uh, there's a couple of cities that fall in their conference that are hotspots. How are they going right. to handle getting student athletes to these places to play games, or rather even the student athletes that are in that city, how are they going to justify, I guess, having this uh, 200 football players, coaches, <laughs> staff all in one area that is considered to be a hot spot? Well, you know, they're going to they're gonna stick to all of their safety guidelines and protocols and say that they're doing that. If they can drive to these games, they would say that's better than flying for sure. But, you know, one thing that's been interesting, and I've talked to, you know, athletic directors over the weekend about this, is I live in Chicago. Right now, there's like a list of like 10 to 15 states that if I travel to them, I'm supposed to self-quarantine for 14 days after I come back, right? There's a lot of states that have those types of restrictions. And like you're talking about, it's to those hotbeds right now that are having outbreaks. So, like, I guess you could get an exception to that for athletics, but like, this is kind of the issue, right? Like there, there are certain restrictions about social distancing and travel and things that exist. And, and I think, you know, administrators and leaders were hoping we would be further along, right, in our, in our country's response to COVID, that those things wouldn't exist because then it does put you in these situations where it's like, well, are you going to, uh, can you, and, and, you know, are, is it possible to self-quarantine for 14 days after traveling to a hotspot to play a game? You couldn't practice. Like, all of these things are, are real questions you'd have to ask. I mean, I guess we're, we're operating under the assumption you could kind of, you know, be an exception to the rule. But those rules exist. And so it, it creates these very murky situations. And at the very, very least, the optics are bad. I'll tell you what, I'm going to muddy it up just a little bit more <laughs> here just because you said something that got me thinking is these players that are, you know, if they're regular Joe Schmoes, they have to quarantine for the 14 days or whatever period of time that the, they're supposed to be doing it. How is this going to affect if these schools have, you know, kids on campus, kids that are taking classes, and now if there is an exception to player X, Y, and Z because they're on the football team, they go to Florida down there, play a game, they come back, they want to get back in class on Monday morning. How is things like that going to be handled? I mean, does, would it be possible that the football teams – get their own education staff to make sure the players, at least if nothing else, stay quarantined within each other? I don't know. Um, and and the, the question of the rest of the college campus is the big one here. Again, you know, it's for all the positive tests that we've been, you know, getting reported from some of these schools, the ones that are putting out their public information. And then you've had other ones that have had to shut down voluntary workouts like Maryland was the most recent over the weekend, um, these are still environments where there's not thousands of regular college students that they're interacting with on a daily basis in terms of, like, the cafeteria, hanging out in dorms, or even just walking by them in dorms. Um, and, and classes is, is obviously part of that. And so um, that's just, like, a larger issue here of if this doesn't, you know, if, you, if you've gotten to the point where it's not contained to the way that you can keep voluntary workouts going on, at 100% of the schools that are doing them, um, then, then what are you going to do when you add a bunch of regular college students to the, to the population? And, you know, the football practice might be the safest place that these guys are going to be because of the regulations, the equipment, and the distancing requirements, right? But then you put them literally everywhere else on a college campus is going to put everyone at risk of, of contracting or spreading COVID. So um, 
I don't know the answer to that. And, and these are the questions that people are trying to figure out. And this is why you get to the point where you have these conversations and you kind of go in a circle and the person ends up saying, like, I don't know how this is going to work. <laughs> because you think about adding thousands of regular college students to an environment that already is ripe to, to spread this thing. So we're talking with Nicole Auerbach. She's a college football insider for The Athletic. You can find her work on Twitter as well at her name, Nicole Auerbach, A-U-E-R-B-A-C-H. Nicole, I I wanted to ask you, because all of this, the reason why we're talking about any of it and the reason why we're not talking about, for instance, volleyball or track or whatever the other fall sports may be is because of the money, right? That's that's why we're talking about football here, why it's even a possibility that they're going to be playing this. And I wanted to ask you, like, what are they willing to go to? What end are they willing to go to be able to get this college football season in? Because let's say it does require, for instance, college campuses can't have their students back on, but they want to play their football season. Are they willing to say, hey, these guys are employees and that's why they're coming back to campus, why they're going to be playing these games for us to earn these billions of dollars this year? Are they willing to go that far to get this in? Well, basically that, that goes against their whole, you know, they're fighting this, right. They're fighting this in court, right? That they are not employees, that they are like regular college students. So a lot of this would, would make that case a little bit weaker, right? Like that, that is part of this because again, if you, let's say you say, okay, regular students can't come back. These are conversations we've had over the last month, right? If regular students aren't back and you get rid of other fall sports, let's say it's just college football players. How on earth do you justify that they're that they're the same as regular college students or the same as anybody else? You know, I mean, it, it becomes clear that it is because of the money. We, I mean, we already know that all of this is because <laughs> they're trying to have a season because there's so much money at stake. But it, 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 it absolutely pokes big holes in their case that they have made in court. So um, that's another piece of this. And, and it'd be interesting if you like parse through the way that people talk about it, justify stuff people have been pretty careful about how they're describing it for this exact reason. That's kind of why, you know, when Mike Gundy gets out there and says, let's bring them back early. We need them for the economy. You know, he immediately gets muzzled for like two months after saying something like that. But do you think they'd be willing to give up amateurism to be able to make God only knows how much money this fall? Like, are they willing to give up everything that they've fought for, for a hundred years in the sport to be able to continue to have these massive facilities, to be able to pay for those, to be able to pay for the uh, college coaches that they're giving millions of dollars to the administrators that are making millions of dollars to like all of this seemingly falls potentially if they're not able to have this football season, but if they do have it, it could mean getting rid of what has been the backbone of the sport for a hundred years. Right. I mean, I don't think, again, like, I don't think they're going to be able to make this decision like overnight. Right. Because again, there's a lot of legal implications, but I mean, we're already moving in that direction, right? They're already doing this. They don't necessarily need to say certain things for the holes to be poked in the system. Um, So, I mean, we're clearly moving in that direction and the NCAA doesn't make decisions unless they're absolutely forced to, which is how the name image and likeness stuff happens. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it, you know, becomes even more transparent to anyone who's not paying close attention, like obviously we all are, um, that this is what's happening. But, yeah, I mean, technically, you know, with, without, you know, certain things in place and, you know, they did have, you know, the, the, the Northwestern Union bid um, a number of years ago and all these things, like you're, you're not quite there, but certainly, you know, you'd have an argument if you wanted to re up some of those efforts to unionize and, and things like that to, to get that protection. 
Nicole, I can't help but notice maybe a squeaky toy in the background. Do we have a dog? We have um, a dog named Red Auerbach. So, oh, there you um, go. Perfect. What kind of dog is Red? He is a Bichon Yorkie. So he is, he's looking at me right now. He's like, why are you talking about me? <laughs> uh, but he is very athletic, by the way. The name ended up being um, very relevant. He, he's, got a, he's got a really good vertical. There you go. I, I tell you what, he's kicking the crap out of that squeaky toy today. <laughs> yes, yes. Nicole, thanks so much for the time today. We really appreciate you hopping on with us. All right. Thanks so much, guys. Stay Absolutely. Well. You bet. That's Nicole Auerbach uh, joining us here on Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. This entire situation, Jamie, is fascinating to me because the backdrop of everything is what I was just asking Nicole of. Yeah. It's like... Okay, so you want to play this college football season, and we all understand why, right? It's the same reason why the NFL wants to play this fall. It's the same reason why the NHL is going to Canada to two hub cities. It's the same reason why I'm seeing pictures on my Twitter timeline all weekend of NBA players in Orlando bass fishing while they're preparing (laughs) for this weird 22-team play-in tournament thing like it. All of this is ridiculous. Everything I'm saying is absolutely absurd, but the reason why any of it is happening is, of course, because there's billions of dollars on the line, and that's what college football is looking at it. They're saying to themselves, okay, on on one hand, we've got billions of dollars. On the other hand, we've got everything that has been the foundation of what we are for 100 years. How do we have both of those things not be at odds? And it's going to be really difficult for them not to be, especially, especially, Jamie, if they're not able to have kids on certain campuses. Because if you get to that point, like, let's say Florida, right? Yeah. You've got the University of Miami right in the middle of a hotspot right now. If those students are not able to come on campus, how are they able to rationalize the fact that the University of Miami is playing a 10-game ACC football season while no other sports are playing? I, I, I don't know. Here's don't where know I'm at with it is, one, I think it's the end of the road for this rule that the NCAA has them as amateurs. I think it's the end of the road. And specifically for the reason that you talked about with Nicole was all this money that they potentially could lose. They're looking at it. I guarantee going, listen, if we've got a break on something, it's got to be this time now because we cannot forego having a season. We cannot just say, Oh, we'll put a zero in the revenue this year. Can't do it. It just, it. so they'll eventually have to cave. Now the loophole I'm wondering is If they're online students, if they don't necessarily have to be on campus, is class still in session? And if that's the case, I'm sure there's a lawyer somewhere right now trying to figure out if there's some kind of case that sets precedent for this. But if they're online students and they're doing online classes, but the teachers are located on the campus, is there somehow some way to manipulate this? To me, that's the only way out of it. Otherwise, guess what? They're paying these kids for the rest of time. They're going to have to pay these kids. And if I'm the if I'm the lawyer for the student athletes, which is what they call them, uh, the football players, more specifically, I'm saying to them, OK, where's the volleyball team? Why aren't yep. they playing games? Where, where is the the soccer team? Where's the lacrosse team? Oh, it's an easy argument why, why because are, they don't make the money that the football team does. It's very it's, simple. It's very simple. But I guarantee there's a team of lawyers somewhere trying to find a way to keep it the way it is before they have to bend or break. There was an argument in Memphis over the weekend. I would love to know, for for Jamie Rivers, what is the sports argument that would allow you to rise to this level? We'll ask that question, plus 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Questions and answers from you guys as well, coming up next on 101 ESPN.